Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Obed, too, and he went out to meet Asa, and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while ye are with him, and if ye seek him, he will be found of you, but if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. There are so many times in the Bible where God qualifies his promises, and he says, If you obey me, then you get all of these blessings, and if you disobey me, you'll get all of these curses. That's why they had the mountain of blessing and the mountain of cursing in Canaan. But unfortunately in churches, they want to bless everybody and they want to bless people who are in sin and say, well, God promised you this, but he didn't. If you read the Bible carefully, God only promised with conditions. You do have to follow him and obey his commandments. Then you get the blessings. But he didn't promise blessings to practicing sinners ever, anywhere in the Old or the New Testament. Whenever they quote those verses in church about God blessing us, they're only quoting half the verse. Nearly every time, if you look up that entire verse or passage, you'll find the word if in there. 3. Now for long seasons Israel was without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. 4. But when in their distress they turned unto the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found of them. 5. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great discomfitures were upon all the inhabitants of the land. Discomfitures means that people are not comfortable, that they're living in fear, and that they could get attacked at any minute. Azariah is prophesying to King Asa of Judah, and he's saying that for a long time Israel didn't have a true God, or a priest, or a law. And then, when they were in distress, God did come to them and give them the law and a priest. And he did, because when they were in distress in Egypt, he came to them, and he pulled them out of Egypt and gave them the law, and then he gave them Aaron the high priest. 6. And they were broken in pieces, nation against nation, and city against city, for God did discomfit them with all manner of adversity. There were other times as well where the Israelites were scattered and broken because they didn't obey God's commandments. 7. But be ye strong, and let not your hands be slack, for your work shall be rewarded. He is saying, Keep fighting paganism, and your work will be rewarded. Keep the land clean. This is prophetic for end times as well. It's saying that a lot of people fall away, they fall into sin, but if we keep working for the Lord and obeying Him, we will be rewarded eternally in heaven. This is prophetic about end times as well as it was prophetic in Asa's time. 8. And when Asa heard these words, even the prophecy of Obed the prophet, it says Obed the prophet, but it really means his son, Azariah. He took courage and put away the detestable things out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from the hill country of Ephraim, and he renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. Now the porch of the Lord would be at Solomon's temple, and renewing the altar means sanctifying it again only for the Lord. Evidently it had been used for other purposes, so he was rededicating it only for God's sacrifices. 
And after hearing this prophecy, he got rid of more false idols and more paganism that was in the land of Benjamin and in the land of Ephraim. Now Benjamin and Ephraim are both kind of on the north side of the land of Judah, and those two tribes helped Judah a lot, and they were really close with Judah. Judah had influence in Benjamin and Ephraim, and so now he's cleaning out that land. He had already taken down idols from the land of Judah, but now he's emboldened by this prophecy to take the idols out of the land of Benjamin and Ephraim. 9. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin, and them that sojourned with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh, and out of Simeon, for they fell to him out of Israel in abundance, when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So now, even people from the tribe of Simeon, which is further south, on the south side of Judah's land, now he has all three tribes that touch Judah falling into his influence because he's following the Lord and they want to follow the Lord too. So even men from Simeon are now joining Asa because they are yearning to follow the Lord. What a beautiful thing. And that's why churches grow during revivals. When atheists and humanists and people practicing witchcraft see Christians repenting of their sins and getting their lives changed, then all those people who were outsiders want to join in too, and they become Christians. But when Christians partake in sin, then there's no revival, and the outsiders just laugh at us and go, oh, you hypocrites. But what's happening here in Judah is revival. They're repenting. So the other tribes around them also want to repent. 10. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month, in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. 11. And they sacrificed unto the Lord in that day of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. From the spoil that they got from the Ethiopian army that attacked them, they're now giving to the Lord a huge abundance out of that spoil as an offering. And they're having a great feast unto the Lord. 12. And they entered into the covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their soul. This is a massive revival in Judah that has spread to the land of Benjamin, the land of Ephraim, and the land of Simeon. Massive revival in King Asa's time. 13. And that whosoever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. They're killing anybody who continues to practice paganism and will not repent of their paganism. Now today, people don't get killed for that because we have the blood of Jesus Christ that transforms lives. Jesus can come in and heal people and deliver them and cleanse them. And so we don't kill people if we know they're practicing sin. We pray for them and share the gospel with them. But before Jesus came, we didn't have his blood that transforms lives. So if people weren't willing to repent, then they were killed because they would just make more people sin and they would make sin spread. 14. And they swore unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. So again, they're praising God and they're thanking him for this victory over sin. And that's the greatest victory any of us will ever experience is the victory over sin. God doesn't ask for us to jump hoops and plant a church and start a ministry organization. That stuff is done in faith, but that isn't what he requires. What he requires is simply that we repent of our sins, and that's the most important thing we'll ever do, because if we don't do that, we won't be saved. If you never participated in any kind of ministry, 
if you at least obey the commandments of the Lord and repent of your sins and put all of your trust in Jesus, that alone is all you need to do for salvation. 15. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart, and sought him with their whole desire, and he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about, meaning they didn't have to fight wars for a while. Nobody was attacking them. He gave them rest from their enemies. And when you get saved, you have rest from the demonic enemies. They can't attack you and mess with you like they did when you were in sin. Now Satan will still try to attack, so we need to maintain the faith, but he can't turn our lives upside down like he did when we were in sin. Simply resisting sin is a bigger miracle and brings greater blessing in your life than anything else. You can sing in the choir, but if you're still practicing sin, ultimately it doesn't do you any good. But if you resist sin and you don't sing in the choir, you've gained life. 16. And also Maka, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen, because she had made an abominable image for an Asherah. And Asa cut down her image, and made dust of it, and burnt it at the brook Kidron. He did the same thing that Moses did to the Israelites when the Israelites made the golden calf. He ground it into dust and put it in the water, and they had to drink it. Asa has done the same thing. He's ground the image that his mother made and put it in the water so that his people would drink it. Because what they drink and eat becomes poop. And it's showing you that worshiping idols is as good as poop. Now at this time, Maka was not queen. She was queen mother because she was the mother of the king. But she was going by the title queen. And God never anointed any woman queen of Israel. Only pagan women give themselves that title. 17. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was whole all his days. King Asa only worshipped the Lord and no one else, but some of the other Israelites did practice paganism. 18. And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had hallowed, and that he himself had hallowed, silver and gold and vessels. He brought more treasury into the temple for the Lord. 19. And there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. Until Asa had reigned for thirty-five years, he didn't have any war because he was following the Lord. Now, in the end of his reign, he did make some mistakes, and we'll read about that in the next chapter. And that concludes Second Chronicles chapter 15.